Hi there, I'm Pastor Rod Parsley, and I sure want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. I'm the senior pastor of World Harvest Church, where we love God and love people, and I hope you'll be inspired by today's message. Now, for more great content and lots of updates, I'd love to connect with you online at rodparsley.com. But right now, let's head into today's episode. If you would turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, uh, it, it would be my heart today to share with you regarding just a couple of the revelations which you so lovingly allowed me to share from the Lord uh, over the course of the last week uh, in times of great, great fellowship with God. Uh, Colossians chapter one, uh, in a nutshell, gives us the passionate, unfathomable, irreversible revelation of a God whose love is undeniable and unquenchable. And I think in a day when we are celebrating fatherhood in a nation that has lost its way and is bound by the curse and scourge of fatherlessness, uh, I think it's important. I, I believe one of the hardest things to do as a gospel preacher in this generation is to cause individuals to understand God their father when their only model is a father most of the time who does not in any way resemble the characteristics nor the quality of God our father. Now God instituted the family with specific purposes in mind. He desired that there be a father and a mother because we find in God in the duality of his nature both the masculine and the feminine quality rolled together into one behold the eagle she stirreth her nest she spreads abroad her wings he hovers over he protects four statements of one individual being the eagle and its care for its young. And so God puts in front of us a father and a mother. And he says, if you can understand the duality of this nature, you can begin to fathom or plumb the depths of what exactly it is that is released to you when myself, your father, declares to you those three most profound words, I love you. Would you just say that? I love you. So we would have to begin with who it is. Just take this down a little bit, would you? Is this too loud? It's not? Well, just take it down a little bit up here then, because it's, hallelujah. There we go. Thank you. God so fervently, so passionately, 
passionately, so absolutely and overwhelmingly loves us. And when we then put that up against what is reflected to us by people around us, by our father, by our mother, by our husband, by our wife, by our sister, by our brother, by other Christians, we lose the intrinsic value of those words. We, we say, we, we go through Wendy's and get a Frosty in a, in a, in a, in a sugar cone and, and somebody said, boy, I love this. Oh, you, no, 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 you don't love a Frosty. You like a Frosty. You enjoy a Frosty. You indulge in a Frosty, but you do not love a Frosty. You do not love the Miami Heat. You do not love the San Antonio Spurs. You do not love the NBA. You do not love your new purse. Lady over here, wait a minute, hey. We have to first begin to fathom who it is that says he loves us. So let me just for a moment parenthetically insert the question that I've raised since January of this year. How, how big is your God? Big enough to stand on nothing because there was nothing to stand on. How big is your God? Big enough to reach into that darkened abyss and lay hold of something that's not there, pull it back out and then hang it on nothing. Point his finger at it and tell it not to move. How big is your God? But this morning, I want to share with you just momentarily regarding not how big is your God, but how intrinsically involved in the most minute and specific detail of your life is our God. I, I desire not to come away today with broad strokes. I desire to go down microscopically, even beyond the microscopic, into something that you could not see with your normal color nor high school microscope. I indulge you today. I encourage you today. I want to invite you today to consider a God that is big enough to hang the earth, spread out the darkness across the north, to spread out the heavens across the expanse of the north, and then hang the earth on nothing, and yet is small enough so that the psalmist David declared, in Psalm 139, 14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now the word made there actually translates better for us. We would say it this way. I am fearfully and wonderfully put together. <laughs> Shove your neighbor right now and say, I may not look like it, but I'm put together. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, flip those extensions, honey, and just tell him I'm put together. You need to look, flip, come on, flip your, flip, flip the sleeve of that beautiful suit you've got on this morning. Straighten that bow tie just a little bit. Look at her right in the eye and say, I'm put together. Look at your wallet and announce I'm put together. Think about your home and say, I'm put together. Some of you need to get your sock drawer and put it together. We, That's what David is saying. God is so vast, God is so great, 
But God is so intrinsically involved in every minute detail of who I am and what I am and where I've been and where I'm going. He is so well acquainted with the very molecular structure of this six foot two being that stands here with a 36 inch inseam and shorter from the waist up than my five foot six inch wife. But I have to announce, I am fearfully Ah, I feel like just telling every devil that's attempted to attack my life over the last 10 days. You need to understand something there, devil dog. You need to understand I am fearfully made. Look and tremble. Read me and weep. God has put me together. Now, you may not like the shape, and you may not like the structure, and there may be things in me that are out of adjustment, but I'm here to tell you, if I got a watch, there's a watchmaker, and if he made it the first time, he can fix it the second time. The, the dad, 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 the father, the daddy. His responsibility. I can tell you, people say when I walk in this room, thank God for all of our leadership. Thank God for the wonderful work that they do. But there's just something that happens, I'm told, in the very molecular structure of the atmosphere when they see daddy walk through that door. Something just turns out differently. Something just goes to another level. I can tell you that in my own personal family, there are times when things get out of adjustment and I do what my daddy taught me. Now, my daddy was not a spiritually boisterous person. He built all these buildings around here and he, he was a man that worked with his hands and he was a man of few words. He was a man of the greatest generation. He believed in fighting hard in, in Korea and then coming home and not talking about it. He believed in sleeping at night when he could sleep and beat the wall because of horrible dreams that he was having, but not let his family know anything about it. But when his family got in trouble, he didn't do it often, but when he did it, something was about to happen. When daddy called us into the living room and took everything off the coffee table and said, now everybody bow down here. And then he would stand up and say, God, this is my family. I knew something was about to happen because daddy is about to put it all back together again. Somebody give a God that cares enough to be intrinsically involved just a little bit of a way. Daddy is supposed to put it together. Oh, somebody throw your hands up in the air and shout, go ahead, God. Put me together. Put my mind together again. Put my body together again. Put my hope back together again. Give my joy back again. Hey, God, put it together again. I'm broken. I'm wounded. I'm hurting. Put me back together, God. I'm abandoned, I'm alone, I'm isolated. Put me back together, God. I'm fearful, put me back together. Colossians 1, verse 12, the New International Version, giving thanks to the Father who is qualified and who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves.
in whom we have redemption through forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the Father, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, watch now, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I gotta say it again. In him all things hold together. As I have been digging, as I have been pouring into and receiving from the very heart of God, God has shared something with me regarding our physical bodies. There's something in our body. Those of you who have studied medical science, those of you that have very, gone very far in scientific study would recognize it immediately. It's called laminin, laminin. Laminin is a, a structural scaffolding of the membranes of our tissue. It is, if you will, the steel in the concrete of the human being. It holds the membranes of our tissues together. It is the glue of the human body. Laminin holds one of our cells to another one of our cells in the organs, in our heart, in our lungs, in our kidneys, in our liver, in the very molecular structure of your body, there are cells. But without laminin to hold the cells together, one with the other, you would verifiably fall apart. I just want to share with you that your Bible just shouted, he holds all things together. I was studying a medical research journal and I came across the writings of a doctor who made a startling discovery while he was walking on his treadmill. He was studying about laminin. So he went into the medical journal and he pulled up out of the medical journal, what is this? What is this, this mo molecule that holds the cells of our body together and without which our bodies would verifiably fall apart? So he pulled it up and I'm gonna share with you today what it looks like in scientific and medical terminology, and then I'm going to show you what laminin that holds you together looks like, and then I want you to tell me if you believe you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So Cameron, if you would help me, show me what laminin looks like. Let's share this with this congregation. That's the scientific structure of the molecule 
that holds the cement that holds every molecule of your body together right now. Without that, your heart would fall apart. Without that, your lungs would fall to pieces. Without that, your legs would not function. Your eyes would not blink. Your ears would not hear. Can I tell you that he holds all things together by the power of his cross? Now show me what it looks like in your body. There it is in your body. Now I dare you to throw your hands up and shout, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God is holding it all together. William Sangster said, the cross is the center of the world's history. The incarnation of Christ and his crucifixion are the pivot round which all the events of the ages revolve. Many are convinced that the title of the busiest traffic intersection on this blue marble planet belongs to the spot where Avenue Ipiranga crosses Avenue Rio Branco in downtown Sao Paulo, Brazil. Gridlock in that spot once spawned a traffic jam more than 165 miles long. Others say that it's human bodies that should be counted when we're awarding this prize. We should look to Tokyo's Hachioki Square, a rectangular space that sees more than one million pairs of feet every day with as many as 10,000 people going through that one intersection in one change of the traffic light. And I thought waiting in line at Mother Bailey's hot dog stand, downtown Warfield, Kentucky, population 187, was busy. What's not in dispute? is the site of the loneliest intersection in history, the place that no one desired to come to, and yet the very place where all humanity must be summoned from the heavens to make their appearance. It is the intersection of two rough-hewn beams of wood, one standing vertically, pointing simultaneously to heaven and to hell. The other is horizontal and serves to mark the invisible line parallel to the surface of this earth and extending outward to encircle this entire planet. This cosmic crossroads sits atop a skull-shaped hill outside the walls of the capital of a troubled backwater province on the periphery of the Roman Empire. At the center of this wooden intersection hangs a solitary figure, the Prince of Heaven, abandoned in a prison of loneliness with only silence and suffering for cellmates. Here hangs a man so utterly and absolutely alone and abandoned that even the omnipresent Father God hides his face 
and withdraws his comfort. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my father and my God, why have you forsaken me, cries that suffering Savior. Jesus was not experiencing surprise at this moment. He was in actuality reciting Psalm 22, verse 1. Every circumstance and every challenge seemed to bring a scripture to his obedient lips. When confronted by the devil, he quoted scripture when cited by his disciples with their ravaging and rousing and annoying questions. He simply answered them by refuting and confounding them and the Sadducees and the Pharisees by quoting scripture. And now alone, suspended between heaven and earth, to whom will the author of our salvation quote such immortal words? No one remains to hearken to his eternal utterances as the accumulated sin and sickness as every satanic spell every demonic depravity of an entire race falls heavily upon the shoulders of this single solitary figure hanging on the middle cross a pure and holy father is forced to withdraw from his presence that life-giving and life comforting power to take it away from his only begotten son. As Jesus feels his father, imagine it, in that suffering moment draw away. Why any child, when Ashton Blair right behind this wall, when she was five years old, her brother Austin decided to slam a door, not realizing that her finger was in the hinged part of that door and took off her finger all the way through the bone and just a piece of skin hanging on. She didn't cry out, Daddy, leave me alone. Darren walked out of that doorway right there when I was mid-sentence, mid-sermon, and says, Ashton wants you. And I did not hesitate. I looked at Elder Bill Canfield, and I made my exit. And my daughter was saying, Daddy, 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 my father, my father, my God. How would she have felt in that moment if I had said, because your finger has been smashed in the door, because you're hurting, because because you're distressed, I must walk away from you. Your Bible said he made darkness his pavilion and turned and walked away from his only begotten son. As Jesus learns for the very first time in his eternal existence what it means to be separated from God his Father, a scripture comes to mind and only one the isolated, the separated son knows that in this darkest moment, he must cling to eternal truth. So he begins to quote this messianic prophecy to remind himself of who he is, to remind himself of what he's doing, to remind himself suffering, bleeding, wheezing, dying on that tree, to remind himself 
why what he's doing must be done. Never has a person been so alone, so abandoned as was Jesus of Nazareth. On that day, he felt the hateful bite of that angry cross. The witnesses to the crucifixion of Jesus the Christ perceived some really, really remarkable things on that day. Human eyes see three men being executed in a manner reserved for only Rome's greatest enemies and criminals. They see the earth cloaked in a darkness that even midnight would not recognize. They have ears that hear the loathsome whistle and the snap of the scourge, the ring of hammer on spike, horrifying shrieks of agony, and the demon-fueled laughter of the angry soldier mobs. Witnesses feel their stomachs begin to turn. They stumble having no balance, the earth begins to shake and to quiver beneath their feet as an earthquake rumbles down and through the Judean hills and the air is acid with a scent of burning flesh that wafts down through the valley and washes up onto the place of the skull. It is the smell of the burning flesh of 10,000 lambs being sacrificed by 1,000 priests. It is is the Passover. It is time for the sacrifice and those lambs must be slain before the silvery sun slips over meridian horizon and its last ray of light is extinguished and this day of infamy is done. Calvary's cross. It's a place where the furious love of God encounters are broken and shattered and severed and tormented and lonely hearts. Never before. Never before. Never since has such love been on open display as it was on Calvary's twisted tree. Words fail. The intellect staggers. The heart begins to question. Does God, my Father, love me? Let me share with you just a couple of lines from an alcoholic former priest, divorced, abandoned, broken, defrocked, cast aside. Joni's favorite author and certainly one of mine, Brennan Manning, said it better than anyone I know that has ever put it into words. Does Jesus love me? The compassion of Jesus is the compassion of Almighty God the Father. 
Jesus says to your heart, Jesus says to my heart, don't ever be so foolish as to measure my compassion for you in terms of your compassion for each other. Don't ever be so silly as to compare your thin and pallid, your wavering, depending on smooth circumstances, human compassion with mine, for I am God as well as man. When you read in the Gospels that Jesus was moved with compassion, it is saying that his gut was wrenched, his heart torn open, the most vulnerable part of his being laid bare, the ground of all being shook, the source of all life trembled, the heart of all love burst open and the unfathomable depths of the relentless tenderness was laid bare. Your Christian experience and mine don't make any sense at all unless in the very depth of our being we believe that Jesus not only knows what hurts us but knowing what hurts us he seeks us out whatever our poverty whatever our pain his plea to his people is come now you wounded frightened angry lonely empty and I'll meet you where you live and I'll love you as you are not as you should be because you will never be what you should be. Do you really believe this? That with all the wrong turns you've made, I need a witness somewhere. Come on, I need somebody that understands that even with all the wrong turns you've made in your past, with all the mistakes, with all the moments of selfishness and dishonesty, with every sentence and expression of degraded love, do you really believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loves you? No, 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 not the person next to you, not your friend or your brother, not your sister or your mother, not your prophet, not your priest, not the church, and not the world. Do you believe Jesus loves you? Do you believe that he loves you beyond worthiness? Do you believe that he loves you beyond unworthiness? Do you believe that he loves you in fidelity and that he still loves you in infidelity? Do you believe that he loves you in the morning sun and in the evening rain? Do you believe that without caution or regret or boundary or limit, no matter what's gone down, he can't stop loving you? This is the Jesus of the gospel. Let me add, this is the unfailing and unfaltering love of our Father expressed through his gift, the supreme gift and sacrifice, the gift of his only begotten son, nailed by tempered spikes through tortured skin into splintered wood, bolted there with welcoming arms outstretched, announcing, do I love you? 
Yes, I love you a billion times. Yes, I love you yesterday. I love you today. I love you forever. Through every storm, through every tempest, through every struggle and every temptation from heaven to earth to hell, back to earth and to heaven again. I love you. I love you in living and I love you in life. I love you in death and I love you in dying. I love you. How much? This much. I dare you to jump up and say, he loves me this much. Be seated. I'm just about done. Here's what he told me to tell you. I love you enough that I will not leave you here without me, nor will I remain in heaven without you. I will bring us together again and we will never Come, my lovely one, come. The cooing of the turtle doves is being heard. I will never be separated from you again. I'm your father, and you for, are forever, forever my child. Certainly the living Christ demonstrated beyond degree his voracious love. Willingly forsaking the glories and the privileges of heaven to trudge through the mud and the muck and the mire of this cursed planet. He laid aside eternal majesty like a cloak and leapt into an earthly manger amid the lowing of the horned oxen and the bleeding of the sheep with the scent of the straw. He laid down in a barn because that's where a lamb should be born. He proved his ferocious love by his association, the religious crowd. That bunch of church-going bigots, that judgmental, scornful, I am better than you crowd with their filthiness and loathsomeness tucked away inside the closet of their heart despised him and I've got a feeling they're going to despise me too glory they despised him because he had a habit of dining with all the wrong people he refused to keep his distance He openly sat down and pulled up his robes and let an adulterous woman with her cleavage eight inches bare bend down and wash his feet. He freely accepted dinner invitations with thieves and tax collectors and the Toledo Mafia, he laid down. 
his heavenly hands upon unclean lepers. He awakened with the dawning of every morning and waded out neck deep into the unwashed and the indecent, among the polluted and the diseased, among the corrupt, the broken, frightened, hurting hordes of humanity. He did not and he will not shrink back in horror at our repulsive evil nor our abhorrent and malignant wickedness. He runs to us to throw his arms around around us. He came to the disenfranchised. He sought out the contented. He embraced the disconnected. This is how he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son that if we would just believe, trust in him as our father, we would not perish but have everlasting life. That my friend is the promise of our Father. Would you allow him in this very moment to fulfill that promise to you? To you, not your neighbor. Oh, he knows all about what you've done and where you've been. He's been waiting there in the shadows all along. He's not ashamed of you. Come to that cross. See that his love for you is without limitation of boundary. See that his love for you is impossible to measure. See that there on that mean and horrible tree, twisted and contorted, bruised and beaten, bloody and dying, Jesus demonstrated that he was sent on a mission of purpose. He came, dispatched by your Father to bring you home. And his unfaltering, relentless love was proven once and for all, beyond all question, on that tree. Can you see him? there. He's hanging there, pale, pallid, bleeding from every portal of his body, bloodletting by which the very veins of his father himself are emptied out. With every red rivulet that flows from his riven side, with every shimmering crimson drop that flows freely down his naked side, and drips off his toes into bloody pools upon the earth. With every splash he shouts, I'm doing this, not for your neighbor, not for the good ones, not for the ones that never make a mistake, not for the ones that hide in shame behind religious robes. I'm doing this for the broken and the hurting, the lonely and the separated, the bruised and the battered, the neglected. I'm doing this for you. Truer words have never been spoken. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Here at this lonely intersection, he suffers. Here 
in anguish and abject agony and distress. Here he dies. Here he declares it is finished. And although it was finished, it was not over. Sunday morning was just hours away. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.